<laughs> Welcome everyone to the Piazza Lecture Series. Uh, my name is Caitlin McGarry and I lead university engagement at Piazza. We are incredibly grateful for all of you for taking your time out of your busy schedule to join us today and I know our discussion will be a rich one. Our session today is Piazza Tricks and Subterfuge. Our featured speaker today is Professor Gareth Denier of the University of Sydney. Professor Denier has been teaching biochemistry, molecular biology, and nutrition at the University of Sydney since 1990. Over the years, he has pioneered the introduction of several e-learning innovations, and recently, he has strongly embraced the principles of crowd leverage and student-teacher partnerships in the learning process. Particularly valued are sustainable initiatives that not only foster student communication and engagement, but which capture the activity as a lasting legacy so that value can be added to the subsequent iterations of a course. In this lecture, Professor Denier will share some of the many tips and tricks that he uses within Piazza to stimulate student participation, build community, and ultimately leverage the crowd to add Intel-based enhancements to course delivery and assessment. Today, we are also joined by the following distinguished professors who have graciously agreed to contribute to today's discussion. We have um, just joining us Professor Alex Theming and Professor Samantha Clark, um, as well as Professor Marco Papa of the University of Southern California, um, Professor Vijay Sathy from uh, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and Professor Matthew Hertz, Professor of Teaching and Computer Science and Engineering at the University at Buffalo. Welcome, everyone. We are so grateful to have each of you contribute to today's discussion. And Professor Denier, thanks so much for joining us today, especially all the way from Sydney. The floor is yours. Okay, thank you very much for that kind introduction, Caitlin, and thank you very much for everybody for um, turning up to uh, to have a discussion about this fantastic tool. My 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 talk is uh, uh, called Piazza Tricks and Subterfuge. Uh, but I hope I hope you won't think there's too much subterfuge in it, and that it's all uh, it's all done for the for the greater good. The there's about four different ways in which I try and help the students, uh, try and help their development as young professionals, take advantage of analytics, perform a little bit of subterfuge and basically get some inspiration for giving them extra resources and, and ultimately assessing them as well. And so those are the four sort of things that I'll go over. So the first thing is that I'd, I'd would like to emphasize to everybody and if you're listening to this um, webinar as your first sort of introduction to Piazza then the the, the brilliant talk by Professor Hummel um, which is the first in the Piazza lecture series is your really your go-to place it's uh, it really just encapsulates everything that Piazza is about um, and how it can help you administer your class and get engagement of all of your students even if you have a very very large class so I thoroughly recommend listening to that, and, and I agree with absolutely everything that Professor Hummel says. So one of the, the ways in which I think that we can extend that is to really help try and frame the behavior of our students and help them grow into the, the profession professionals that we want them to be and how they can acquire the graduate attributes that we want them to leave our institution with. So the first thing I suppose that we're all keen on them developing is as as a graduate is the the skill of discernment you know when when should I ask a question how should I phrase that question um, how can I put some effort into the way that I articulate my question so when we get questions on Piazza it's really good to, to help the students reflect on whether or not their question has been 
formed in a way that is useful, whether it's easy to get to the, the crux of what they're trying to, to say, and whether or not they've actually thought about what they're, they're saying. In other words, have they put some effort into articulating their question before they've just posted it up there? And all of this has a very, very positive effect. It makes the students start to take responsibility for the, the way that they word their question. And it often means that they, they end up answering their question even before they, they, they post it. And many, many students, when they go through this process, will say, you know, I, I had this question, but I actually worked it out for myself by articulating it. So then what I do is I encourage them to post their enlightenment. In other words, they've had a little light bulb moment. Let everybody else share that. The other way that we can frame their behavior or help them frame their own behavior is by just realizing that they are in a, in a public place. It's a safe place. It's a place where no one need feel um, crazy by, by asking questions. That's what it's there for. But it is a place where we need to foster a, a, a community, where we need politeness, where we need respect, where we, we need everybody to feel safe. And this is very important in this day of very high visibility. Uh, people's cyber footprints are something that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. Um, I come from a generation where <laughs> I probably got away with a lot of things that weren't recorded. Um, but now they are and one's personal brand the thing that is, which is just as important as the marks that you'll get uh, in your studies is something that needs to be nurtured and Piazza is a place where we can really help young people and, and students develop those skills of dealing um, with uh, netiquette. The other way that we can do that is actually by presenting an example ourselves and we find it quite useful when we as instructors engage in a, in a debate because we can actually show the students how we can have a very robust and yet very healthy academic exchange. And this is a great way of modeling and being a role model to the students, showing them how we can really have some very, very strong opinions on an academic manner that treat each other with courtesy and respect and that from that new ideas come and from that comes um, great explanation and enlightenment and so on. So this is a really, really good way of, of developing those skills in the students. And while I was preparing this, this uh, seminar, um, Caitlin and I actually started to think about how you could even engineer this. You could actually start paying your TAs to, to contribute and to, to set off that sort of banter. So one of the ways in which uh, Piazza is extremely useful is in the rich analytics that it has under the bonnet. And you've probably, you've probably all um, gone into the statistics page and seen that you can download all of the class statistics as a CSV file. And if you haven't, then I strongly recommend that you do that. Now, even if you don't download that file, you can actually use the inbuilt sort of filters within Piazza to, to have a bit of a broad brush view of how your students are engaging with the tool. Now, what you'll notice from this data up here is that in our class of about 720 students uh, and in a course with some 
850 posts at the time at which I made this slide, um, we have a very, very broad range of engagement. So we have some students that have looked at pretty much every post. We have some students that have made tens of contributions. And yet we have some other students who are pretty much disengaged, who have barely logged in and have barely looked at any posts. Now, this is extremely useful information for, for you in, in any research capacity if you want to start thinking about how engagement relates to performance and to learning then this is obviously a, an amazing go-to place but it is actually quite revealing just within itself here so you, you'll notice that the top student has viewed about 820 posts and then it, you don't have to get very far down say to about student number 10 before you get to students that have only seen 670 or so posts now I say only, but 670 is quite a lot. But the reason I say only is that, that during that period, there were actually over 850 posts. Now that becomes important because it just goes to show that even very engaged students don't listen to everything we say. They don't, even though they're on, they're on, they're on Piazza, they, they probably have the alerts set up for when a post comes in they're not actually engaging with every single post that that comes in and therefore they're not engaging with every post that we make on all of our other systems and this is a very important thing for, for us all to bear in mind now the the analytics as i said are beautifully correlated by the end of the semester with unit outcomes um, students that are disengaged in things like piazza are going to be struggling to pass the course. But one of the really important things about the, the analytics is not just the fact that you see them at the end of the course, it's that you see them at all stages of the course. So here are a couple of graphs that show how Piazza engagement stacks up with a couple of the other systems that we use, our institutional electronic notebook, lab archives, and our course delivery system, Canvas. And what's remarkable about this is that there is no correlation. There's early on in the course, um, you might have somebody that's a strong engager in Piazza, but really hasn't got to grips with their, their e-notebook or vice versa. And this just shows you that it's very important that you have a rich range of ways of getting data about engagement and that uh, Piazza forms one of those and a very important part of, of that but you actually need to have a look at all of your systems before you decide on what you're going to say and what, how you're going to act. Now, I focus there on how the analytics are useful for us to counsel and identify students, but a really, really important thing about Piazza is the fantastic analytics that it gives us about our own engagement. And this is very, very useful if you are applying for tenure or applying for promotion or you need in some way to, to show somebody that you're putting a lot of work into fostering the education of your students. In any course, um, when we have a course evaluated, we always find that the students claim that our feedback is not what, it, what they're expecting or want it to be. I mean, feedback is a little bit like Christmas presents. You never feel that you're getting enough and everybody else has got better than you. 
But in fact, when you point the students in the direction of the, the Piazza stats, they realize just how much work you and your TAs are putting in. So that, that long string of orange um, eye symbols showing all the instructor comments or the, the instructor ticks on the, the student comments, or indeed the, the huge number of posts that you've answered, um, the timeliness of all of that, that is an incredible thing to, to show students, to convince them that, that you are you're really, really caring about their development. But of course, it's also a fantastic thing to show your faculty, to show your head of school, to show your promotion committee, because it's hard objective evidence about the amount of work and effort and dedication that you have for your course. So this is really, really useful. And I actually foresee the day when things like this are triangulated against other metrics of, of um, instructor value, um, performance to make it much more objective measures of um, our, our dedication to the cause. Now, where some subterfuge comes into my strategy is with my employment of my alter ego, my ghost. So I have an extra login over which I have a bit of control. And I could, that means that I can submit posts to the discussion board um, without anybody knowing that it was actually me. It looks like it's just come from an anonymous um, student. Now, before you get too worried about um, that I'm doing something um, extremely dodgy here, in fact, nothing nothing bad is happening. This is um, all done for very, very kind reasons, which I will go into. So no, no one gets hurt in the, uh, in the deployment of this strategy. So one way in which the ghost student can really help me is to address that thing that I brought up earlier, which is that no matter how many announcements we make on our our systems, a lot of them will just just be ignored or bypass the students. So to if we need to clarify some administrative arrangements and we're worried about whether the students are getting the message, hitting them from a number of angles is a good idea. Now, like all students, they get a bit bored with the proclamations of their, their course coordinator. Um, they are more likely to have a message resonate with them if they think it's come from their their own cohort or at least if it's not more likely at least it's an alternative now i like to make a lot of proclamations you know i'm very enthusiastic about my material if i see something on, on the television or read an article in the newspaper i want them to see it and, and they can get a bit bored with my continual bombardment of the, the discussion board with these so-called interesting things. You know, there, there's a lot of eye rolling that can start going on. So if I can spread those things out, both between systems and also between alter egos, then it actually makes the, the system work a lot better. If I want to create a new thread, if I want the students to think about a topic in a particular way, um, I. It's, it sounds a, a little bit too pompous and sort of a proclamation from on high if I, can, if I always do it. So just throwing it in as if it's come from a student is very effective. So I can even introduce a sort of a pretend misconception to get the students to test and, and probe their own understanding of a topic and try and get that discussion going on that so that I can wade in later and sort it out. 
sometimes in in any discussion board or or even in any conversation things can just go a little bit stale it doesn't tend to happen in our courses because we have over 700 students there's always saying something but if you have a course where there's maybe 20 30 or 50 students you can often get a bit of a lull and having a, a ghost student to to kick start the activity is is really really helpful because if you were to do that as a as a coordinator it would look a little bit desperate but by doing it as a pretend student you can get that reinvigoration you can get that that extra debate and engagement going and it and it all just looks very natural and the students respond to it very well and another way of of looking at that is sometimes that that lull in conversation has happened because a student has created a bad mood um, students often go on to any discussion board and um, have a little bit of a whinge or, or question something that's happened or basically just take down the mood a little bit and it's nice if you can reset that now you would never want to go in and start deleting the negative post because that would look like censorship and that would break the trust of your general cohort so the way to get it off the top of the the list is to start populating the top with some things that are going to create some positive vibes so something that's interesting something that's fun and very soon that negative post starts to get buried deeper and deeper and deeper down in the list of old posts and it really has a very remarkable effect that, that reinvigorating not just the academic discussion but also the the tone of the student posts so i strongly recommend this if you ever get to a stage where the mood needs to be reset so the final sort of topic that um, I, I wanted to to present as a tip which does involve a little bit of subterfuge is the way that we can gain inspiration from what the students are asking us to actually create new material for the course and one of the best sorts of bits of new material are multiple choice questions which could help students learn and also ultimately that we can use in our exams so we as you know experts in the field often find it difficult to get into the heads of our students and work out what it is that they're finding difficult in piazza of course students reveal those misconceptions willingly and and um, in great quantity so any blocks that they have to their learning any any sort of strange thoughts that they've got around the topic they're very very willing to to go in and and confess those and of course sometimes those misconceptions are not revealed in the initial question sometimes they're re revealed in the explanations that their peers provide and in the follow-up discussions that happen so basically the piazza discussions become a real gold mine of intelligence about the way that students are thinking about the sort of things that they find tricky and the ways in which they they, they come to terms with the material now all of this is incredibly vital intelligence and it's something that we should all be inspired by we can be inspired by it to create new learning resources for them and that's obviously one very positive thing that we can do but we can very very easily turn what the students have said into fledgling multiple choice questions and striking while the iron is hot on this is a really really good idea
I've got a couple of examples here. So here's a here's a situation where a student has got a little bit um, confused about the way that fats are digested, and they've been very good at articulating exactly what it is that they're struggling with. And instead of me writing a paragraph by way of explanation, I've actually written five well-constructed, independent sort of bullet points, which have a sort of timeliness to their narrative, so they, they're logical things that follow on one from the other. But instantly, those five statements form the inspiration and the, the foundation for a genuine multiple choice question. So it's very easy for me to take what I've written there and construct it into a multiple choice question, which I can then put into our class pool. And we use um, the website Peerwise, which is a place that students can go to set each other multiple choice questions. And the benefit of putting it into a pool like this is that we can test the questions. The questions will be rated, they'll be commented on, there'll be performance metrics, and we'll be able to start seeing how the, the options um, are all working as distractors. And of course, what's then happened is that we've now got a fully tested multiple choice question, which can go into a, a real examination. So this happens all the time. Uh, I I'm, this is now essentially what I do when I, I'm answering questions on Piazza. I take the question and I try and frame it as a series of logical incremental steps which together can be built into a, a really good explanation for the original student question but how each of those steps then forms the basis of uh, a, a question that can be used for study or even for examination. And the key thing of course here is they're really authentic there's a credibility about question about multiple choice questions that you can use in the exam that actually directly relate to the misconceptions that the students actually have about your material. So that's a sort of summary of um, everything that I've talked about, the keeping the momentum going with the ghost login, fostering the academic and an even uh, online profile of our students using the analytics to benefit your students and also yourself and gaining inspiration from all the crazy things that they say. And I would like to finish by giving a huge acknowledgement both to Piazza as a fantastic tool and the whole team at Piazza for allowing me to, to do this presentation. And most of all to my colleague, Dr. Dale Hancock, who is responsible for the, I was gonna say the lion's share, but I'll say the leopard's share of all the um, contributions that are made to our site. So thank you very much for listening to me and I hope we can have a good discussion about all of that. Well, excellent. What a fantastic presentation. Thank you so much, Professor Jedkin. Um, we do have a minute or two if folks have any questions or want to contribute with some of their own tips or tricks that they've come across while using Piazza and engaging their students. Um, if you'd like to do so, please select the hand icon to raise your hand and I will unmute you to ask your question or feel free to type it into the questions field. And I'm sure um, Professor Denier would love to, to chat with you. Okay, Professor Papa, you are, feel free to ask your question. Yeah, I, if, uh, if the professor uses a clone in the class, then how? 
Oh, great question. So um, there is a there is the ability to clone a class within Piazza. Professor Denier, I'll let you take it from here. Okay, I I I, I didn't realize that you could clone the class. Could you uh, could you explain to me how that works? Yeah. So I I guess I've been doing this for I don't know. 10 years, uh, close to 10 years, uh, <laughs> and, and it's, it's the same class that I teach. So uh, there's a, there's a quite a number of things like setting up, uh, you know, a, 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 an individual assignment. And we have, we kind of, we change the assignments, but they are all kind of similar. And so, um, and especially at the beginning of the course, at the end of the course, is the same stuff that comes up. So uh, you can actually clone from the last semester to the next semester. Uh, the question and, and uh, when you clone it uh, is actually private and you, so you can go and change and customizing for the new class uh, change a little bit here and there and then you make it public uh, and, uh, um, and and then it, then it shows up the uh, one of the things I probably wanted to report to Piazza the the, the, the way it works is that uh, the cloned date and time is of when you clone it so if you want to clone ahead of time and then uh, um, and then post, let's say a week later, unfortunately the the, the date are kind of uh, kind of off. So uh, what usually is is good do you clone right before you want to post something? Uh, it would be nice if there was a feature that you clone and then before making something public, you actually change the date and time to the current date and time. That would be one. Uh, uh, one thing that I would uh, recommend to have is uh, some extra functionality. So, so is the idea that um, you can you can derive inspiration from questions that students have asked in previous iterations of the course? Oh, actually, absolutely. When you when you clone, uh, yeah. the answers actually uh, get get sort of like carried over as yeah. anonymous. Yeah. And you can decide which one to keep uh, of the answers and which one to throw away. So yeah, if you answer the question, you know a question comes up all the time, and and, and it's already been answered. But, you know you can carry it over, and oh, the only yeah. thing that it will do it will show that uh, whoever the student that asked the question is is an anonymous student uh, instead of being a real student of the current class. Yeah, so that's a very clever idea because it means that the a frequently asked question that is not just frequently asked this year it's been frequently asked for the past five years mm -hmm. is 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 right up there and the students can see that that's been not, not only been attended um, recently but it's it's been dealt with uh, by you in previous years so um, yeah that's and also they, they would feel assuaged about their own uncertainty as well because it's not just them that has had this question it's it's come up before and absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that idea. Great. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for the feedback on um, what we can do to add additional functionality to Piazza. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Next, we have here um, Professor Matthew Hertz. Professor Hertz, you should be able okay, to there we contribute. Go. <laughs> yeah. oh, hello. <laughs> right. Hopefully, this isn't too loud. Um, so one thing I actually do that helps drive students to using Piazza, so I tend to use, I have a very large class, so it's a very large lecture section just because of student numbers. So I tend to use lots of memes in my lecture slides just as a way of keeping their, their attention, that sort of thing. I actually have Piazza and I always make a folder in Piazza where students can post their own 
memes for me to use in lecture, and that ends up being very active. Uh, and you know, and, and but what I've seen is that students will frequently post in there, and then while they're you know right after they post, they'll end up answering a question or two or asking their own question. So it's a good way. It, it makes my life easier. I don't know. Yeah, my courses are usually uh, freshmen, so 18 years old, 19 years old. I don't know what's popular with that population anymore, <laughs> but I can use it to get something that's popular with that. Um, and actually, it goes to I had never thought about it this way, but one of the no, one issue is I teach computer science. There are 18 computer science and engineering. Uh, they're 18, 19 years old. Occasionally, some of the things that get posted into there are inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> But it, I always try to use this as a chance because many of my students, they don't realize it's inappropriate. And so I always use yeah. it as a chance to teach them professionalism of like, I understand that you think this is funny, but you have to understand that how other students might see this. And, and, and I take it down and I have to be very careful, very active in, in, in making it private and, and encouraging them to take it down so I don't actually have to delete it. But just getting them to you know become engaged. And usually when that only happens maybe once or twice a term and they're always like oh I never knew that or you know I, I never thought of it that way so it, yeah. it's just a good way to, to drive traffic and get them more engaged get them more active and once they do get active you know once I say in class you know I use this from you know some student posted this you know from Piazza it gets students interacting more and, and, and using it more which is a nice way of getting them in Sort of I, I really, I, I really like several aspects of, of that. The the fact that you create that creative space for them, uh, which allows them to express themselves in 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 a way that they feel comfortable with, in in a in an imaginative way. I like the way that it brings them in to engage. And as you say, whereas once they've posted a meme, they they often go in and post a, another question or answer a question and then and then it also led on top of that it gives you the, the that opportunity to help them develop their their sort of net citizen sort of skills and 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 work out what is acceptable in building their online brand and um, what what will need some development so I think that you you tick about four separate boxes with with that strategy really quickly yeah, and they like it, so I'm yes. always happy about it. <laughs> and it. And look at it; it gives you it gives you fantastic ideas as well. If they've if they've expressed a sentiment or a, a concept through a, a meme, then it 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 you know take it's it, you you can derive tremendous um, sort of cre creative inspiration from from that. You know, because you you've got that extra knowledge and maturity that can take that to the next level. Right, and sometimes they actually do it incorrectly. They'll they'll post an idea, and, and the way that yeah. you know the way that they try to explain it in the picture, or whatever, isn't quite correct, That's which right. is actually really helpful for me because then I can say, oh, okay, wait, let let's think about this, and I can try to get them, and actually, usually once or twice, I've gotten yeah. them to correct it. <laughs> I then use the corrected one to mention everything else, but it gives me an insight into what they're thinking. That's their incorrect thinking. Their their incorrect modeling of the ideas. That's that, absolutely. I mean, the, where, where Piazza really comes into its own is, is is that window into the student mind, and which is so difficult for us as experienced professionals to to get. I mean, not only are they 
they're obviously a different generation, but their their skills are still developing in in the discipline area. So um, we we underestimate sometimes just how much several decades of of engagement with our discipline has given us. Yeah, definitely. But like, I, I, I have to say, I really love some of your ideas. I'm totally, um, I'll credit you, but totally stealing them. Uh, <laughs> Using them as an homage, whatever you want to say. <laughs> what a great contribution. Thank you so much. Um, I want to get one more question in. I know we're a little bit over time, but um, Professor Sathy had a great question that I'd love to unmute her and let her contribute for just a few minutes before we end up, um, before we can conclude. Um, Professor Sathy, please go ahead. Sure. Um, the idea of ghost, a ghost student, uh, makes me a little uncomfortable, only because it feels a bit dishonest with the students and I was thinking about an alternate, um, you know, alternatives to dealing with some of the issues that you mentioned um, that you might use the ghost student for. For example, if we have undergraduate learning assistants in the classroom, might they be the people who could be contributing to channeling questions in a more productive way? Um, but also I found that even our answers can sometimes diffuse the question and show students how to model that kind of respectful um, engagement. So not necessarily needing to delete it, but just um, in our response, being able to do that. So do you have other ideas about if we didn't feel comfortable creating a student um, in which we could mitigate some of the things you talked about? No, absolutely. I mean, the I, I knew that a large number of people would be uncomfortable with the, um, the, the feeling that there was some deception going on with the ghost student. Um, and you're absolutely right. You you can do that with a TA or or even some student leaders. But the, the yeah. So it's it's there are other ways of of doing it. The the timeliness is obviously facilitated by you being in control of the ghost student because if it's something that you need to to do quickly, then you often need to be in control of that. Um, but but yeah no I mean I, I agree a hundred percent that I feel it it works well for me I'm I'm comfortable with it but I um, can totally understand that other people would would find mm -hmm. that um, uh, a little bit iffy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. Thank you, everyone, so much again for your participation and outstanding insights. Um, this concludes our session for today. Thank you again and have a lovely weekend. Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs>